Kelsey's mm-hmm. family. I just think, you know, his mom and dad and their bro- the brothers, I just, there's, there's something about that that's just yeah. like, yes, yeah. you know, and that, you know, I want them they to be. They are robots. I who want, have been implanted <laughs> by these the Democrats I want to ruin America. These are the hot takes. These, okay. We are going <laughs> hot take. You the haven't read takes. the websites? No, I haven't. This is a psyop. This is a psyop <laughs> operation. Oh, no. That's good. And you can get listen up for only fourteen Yeah. So um, make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast because if you subscribe to them then they automatically populate your feed and that puts it up on the the rankings or whatever and if you leave a, a comment a good rating or you give it five stars all those things help so make sure you do that every week you can do that on youtube and you can do it on all the podcast platforms that's helpful mm. to us as we continue to grow pod have mercy so coming up in the next couple of weeks we're going to have um, a friend of mine john white will be in at some point um, he is an African, an African Methodist Episcopal pastor here in Houston right. who'd actually just move um, to Houston. And so, From where? Um, that's a good question. I know it was somewhere out there. Out there. Yeah. Beyond the rainbow. Yeah. Uh, his father was a bishop in the AME church. Oh. Yeah. So he's got some long ties. Good dude. How'd uh, you meet him? Uh, at this TMF group thing that oh. we're in. Okay. Then we've got like Arshia Komeli uh, is going to be coming in a couple of weeks. Arshia is a really interesting dude, young guy, uh, originally oh. from Iran. Oh yeah, uh, you came to Chapelwood. Became a Christian and a Christ follower. Was baptized here at Chapelwood. Um, has some pretty didn't really have two uh, dimes to rub together, and has become an entrepreneur and a musician and a rapper and a yeah. political activist for stuff. I mean. He's on social media and's got a pretty big following. Yeah, from a lot of Iranians. His videos are pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I can do that stuff. But we'll talk about that. Two we'll days get to ago, see some. He has a, a video in front of Chapelwood. I wonder. I know, if, yeah, he. he well, he was here he, Sunday. Hey, listen. He was at church. Do you think he would uh, ride us into one of his rap videos? Well, yeah, but it'll be in Farsi. <laughs> it's okay. I don't he need does to know in what English he's saying, too. But a lot I of just, them are. In, you know? Yeah, you can look him up, Arshia, and he's he's got it going he's on. He's got it going on. <laughs> he's got also, and it's it'll be interesting to talk to him because when you look at it, it's a lot of the, it it's kind of like uh, if you've ever heard an interview with Jay Z, have you ever heard of an interview oh, sit down of, with Jay Z? Of course. So you know, like Jay Z, the rapper, he's on and he's got he's rich and he's got the cars and he's got the look and everything. And if you sit down and listen to him interview, he just sounds like a normal businessman. Totally. It's like I'm kind of playing a role. There's yes. sort of a role he's playing as a yes. rapper, as an artist. He's figured it and out. And she is kind of doing the same thing. It's like there's a, there's him as the artist, creative, and then there's him. So he's got fancy cars and all that. But there is a video that he just uh, had awesome. 10,000 10, 10, 10, 10, likes, likes from Sunday. And from, 629 uh, comments yeah. from right in front of Chapel. And most of them are probably in Farsi. You wouldn't be able to probably... Uh, has 150,000 views. Yeah, so that video right there from Sunday in the parking lot. Uh, so anyway, he's a social media... Maybe music. he needs to take over our social media account. No, he's <laughs> already... In <does>. Farsi. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was texting him yesterday. He's really excited about coming on podcast. And he's like, a lot of my, a lot of my people... Are, are excited about it. And I'm like, okay, if you say so. Your people. He's going to share and we've got followers, you know. That's awesome. That's awesome. Don't we, that's, that's so we're just going to find out where he talks. He, he's been very active, at least here in the United States. He still has some family in Iran, but he's been very active about some of these music, musicians and artists and yes. 
poets that have been imprisoned in Iran who have spoken out. Mm-hmm. And so he's been an advocate for that as well. But he, he's, a, he's an interesting story. He had nothing. We helped him uh, when he was here in school, and he has just thrived, man. That's great. He's a good wow. dude. So, yeah, I'm excited about him coming in a couple of weeks as I well. Too. But, you know, today I thought we would just, you know, the, something happened this weekend was real exciting. It's called the Super Bowl. It was exciting. It was exciting. Do you know, Jeff, that awesome. the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58, just this past week, was the most watched American television broadcast in a generation since 1969 mm. in the moon landing? What? Yeah. Did wow. you know that? 123.4 million people tuned wow. in. Wow. And I would say like like half of those are now adolescent girls or? No, I was going to, well, we were going to talk about the reasons why. I, I've got a list. I mean, first it was the second, only the second overtime uh, Super Bowl. There was only the te- second time it's that gone was, into overtime. And those was new a good rules? Game. Oh, yeah. That's kind of crazy. Everybody gets a chance. Yeah. Which is kind of the way it should be. Yes, everybody yeah. gets a gold star. No, <laughs> no. If you hey, pull, Lauren. If it, no, oh. but everybody gets an opportunity. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why I think it was tuned yeah. in a lot. People stayed with it. Also, you got Patrick Mahomes, who's a generational. Do you think talent. he is as? I don't know. This is not a sports show, but oh, we're a sports show today. Okay, today we are first time caller, long time listener, John. Um, do Do you think it is uh, like? There was a guy years ago who was on the local radio station. He was a pastor, and he called himself the the fantabulous sports rev. Sports oh my gosh! Rev. Oh my god! So do you? So people like after uh, in the interviews and some of the pundits are saying like he is better than Brady. He is the one. Do you do you think he lives up to that hype? Uh, Tom true? Brady has seven Super Bowls. Patrick Mahomes has three. So to say better than, I don't know, he's not been around as long. He's only 28. So he is going to be a great, he's already great. Could he be the best? I don't know. What college did he go to? Oh, Oh, was that Texas Texas Tech? Tech. It was. He's a Red Raider, huh? That's why so many people in Texas were rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm a Chiefs fan now. because. So another reason why it was watched, I'm sure you know, that uh, the Super Bowl is one of the last remaining communal viewership experiences in media, wow! Because everything now is so fragmented around streaming. Mm. Oh, yeah. So if you're looking for a sociological reason why yeah. so many people tuned in, that's another reason. This is the only time people will get together. And another reason, I mean, pretty obvious. Another reason why it was so popular is it's one of the last. It's really one of the last events or entities that can draw large, massive live audiences who mm-hmm. tune in at that time in that yeah, moment. Yeah, one time. And right. and the only way to watch it is through one. Oh yeah, one network's got booth. it. Although they may stream it on Paramount or whatever they have, but yeah, it's. Um, but they, I don't know if you knew this, but another reason I think it was they had a Nickelodeon did a kids version of the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. No, I didn't. Did know you that. see this with no, SpongeBob and SpongeBob? Oh yeah, really? really? Yeah, they had uh, and they put little cartoon ah. images on them while they were sitting around for the kids. Then of course, as we're talking about reasons why it was so popular, another reason is. You know, NFL is super popular. Did you know that in 2023, 93 of the top 100 most watched programs were all NFL programs? See, I'm giving you the reasons why it was so many people turned out to watch it. There's yeah. a lot, I mean, all these are reasons why. Um, 
You're just a plethora. I mean, plethora seven of million dollars for a thirty-second radius. I mean, a commercial spot. Did you have a favorite commercial this year? So I'm just saying, these are all the reasons why it was so popular. <laughs> I know it's popular. There was no other reason why it was popular. Yeah, I think. I feel like we're not mentioning. Something. Come on now. Yeah, we're kind of leaving something out. Might be, Swifters. maybe, could be. Swifters. Taylor Swift. Mm. I saw a little video of a girl, and she had her little cheerleading Kansas City yeah, I saw thing that. on. And mom yeah. says, you going to watch the Super Bowl? She said, yeah. Who's your favorite team? I'm not telling you. Well, who's your favorite player? Taylor Swift. <laughs> yes. According to her. Yeah. Um, wow. Well, I will tell you favorite. Let's talk about commercials, but. Favorite moment of the Super Bowl? What was your favorite moment mm. of the game, actual telecast? Favorite moment or most memorable? <clears throat> most memorable both. is when Kelsey went and just just screamed at uh, at Reed, his coach, and freaked him out a little. Almost and, knocked him down. And uh, and I loved both. I loved Kelsey didn't talk about it later, but Reed did, and I loved Reed's kind of response and the way he mm-hmm. metabolized it and. This kind of, you know, yeah, he's like, hey, it's no big deal. He's like, out of everybody on this on. team, I get Kelsey. I understand. <laughs> I understand the way he operates. He said he scared me a little. I'm really, I'm getting older and I'm off balance a lot. But uh, besides that, <laughs> he's like, yeah, he was not. He, he it wants was not back an issue. in the game. He wants to make a he difference. He just wants to play. He wants to. Yeah. He wants to win. He wants to get the ball. That's what they all yeah. do. That's why they do that. Yeah. Um, what about you? Yeah. So I sent you a picture, Jeff. One of my favorite moments was of all these things I talked about, the NFL and how popular it is and why it's the record-breaking thing. Um, Taylor Swift in this picture in the box of her and Roger Goodell talking. Why why is that your favorite? Like, what's going on Because you didn't see Goodell go in there, and he was like, Thank you, Taylor Swift. Thank you for saving Thank me. Thank you for being here. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. Can I? I don't know. Like, this is my my absolute ignorance. So I'm open to be corrected on every level. I think there's like a wholesomeness, a goodness about that whole thing. That's not, you know, I don't know. There's just like she's with her family. He's. With, I love Kelsey's mm-hmm. family. I just think, you know. His mom and dad and their bro- the brothers. I just there's there's something about that. This is yeah. like yes, yeah. you know, and that you know I want them. They to are be, robots. I who want, have been implanted <laughs> by these the Democrats. I want to them ruin to America. America. These are the hot takes. These okay. We are going <laughs> hot take. You haven't read takes. the websites? No, I haven't. This is a psyop. This is a psyop operation. Yeah, Mark <laughs> Biden's like uh, just like we drew just it. Just like up. we drew it up. I love that. I love how too. It's like so. Deadline. Wait a minute. I can't figure this out. So is is Joe Biden's like like is he a doddering old man who can't remember his name, or is he like this multi generational artificial intelligent evil psyop operator who's <laughs> so behind the Oz buttons of I, I don't know. It's hey, so weird. Yeah. No, I, I thought the Taylor Swift thing. You know, I, I read where. Uh, Travis Kelsey's father said, you know, this girl's just, she's just, she's, he, he, he made a comment like they were at the game in the, in a box, not the Super yeah, Bowl, yeah. but a couple of weeks ago. And she was going to get another drink. And on the way, it's like people had left their cups and their bottles and all that. And she's picking, picking everything up. up to go throw it away in the trash can while she's going to get another drink. And he's like, I'm just watching how she inter- interacts with everyone who comes in who wants to meet her and that she's sweet to everybody. 
yeah. she beholds everybody. I just think there's like and a he said, about he it. said, you know, she didn't get awesome. the diva memo. No, she didn't get that you're the most popular thing in the planet right now, and you're supposed to be a jerk to everybody. And Actually, I just, and there's also a picture at the end. You know, they were down yeah. on the field and they were kissing and yeah. all that kind of stuff, which <laughs> bleh, you know, <laughs> but. Nicole uh, Hardman, who caught the game-winning catch mm-hmm. in overtime, mm-hmm. and he'd kind of had a rough year. I mean, yes. he had a rough year, but he caught the thing, and it, and you see him walking towards Kelsey and Taylor Swift, and she looks at him, and the 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 look on her face, it was like just pure joy of beholding him, like, like you, you are the it. hero. You she was like, it. oh my god, I get to meet you, <laughs> and I'm so like, you're great. Taylor Swift, yeah, and it's just to see that. I mean. Yeah. Can we not have nice things anymore? Yeah. Why does everything have to be criticized? Poo-pooed. Yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm. It's like this can be good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe you don't like her politics. So what? I don't uh, know her politics. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know her really, songs. I mean, I, I don't know Paul. where she stands. She, you know, she's probably like most human beings, and probably falls in a lot of different places about a lot of different things. Yeah. And she's just a girl out there making a billion dollars. I mean, come on. What just I love is one of us, you know, just one of us, one of the common <laughs> yeah, people. She's just one of the common people. <laughs> one, of the common folk. One, of, one of the things I loved is just watching her and Kelsey's mom, who just looks like a freaking football, you know, mm-hmm. mom, right? She's been sitting in the stands for a long time. She's been doing time. that, what she's doing for like the last hundred years. And her, I just love like her dad, uh, you know, or their dad, and just stories about them. They're just, they're just, Good people. Yeah. One of the things, so I, my daughter, Maddie, who's 23, and so kind of more the generation, and I've just really, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I just started paying attention to Taylor Swift when she and Travis Kelsey started dating. Uh-huh. Because I kind of knew she sang a song, but I've been listening to her songs, and I'm like, she's a really good she's songwriter. She's good. She is. I mean, and her, smart. the songwriting itself is yes. really good. She's yes. very creative. Yep, yep. Um, but what was interesting, I, I told Maddie, I was like, you know, I don't, I don't understand her. And, and what Maddie said was like, the, th- the magic about her is she is normal. She's ordinary. So she's like the biggest, most famous, the songs and everything. But she's like, I said, yeah, but look what she wears up on the stage. She goes, yeah, but she's, she's not shaped like that. She's, you know, she, and she knows it. She knows she's just, and so when- This is so, not Cardi So B. like all her fans <laughs> look at her and they see a sense of authenticity about her. Right. Yeah. Um, that she's like them. She's normal. She doesn't try to be diva-ish and yeah. over the top. And um, that was from some someone younger. I mean, uh, yeah. but, and all I remember is back in the day, I mean, she basically has a hall of fame, uh, whatever you want to call it, career in country music before she ever got into pop music. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she started out, you know, very acoustic driven kind of country music type yeah. deal. But apparently she's... Uh, She's the devil, so <laughs> she's a big thing. That devil, <laughs> yeah, yes. that's wild. Well, the Super Bowl was uh, it was it was interesting. It was, it was good. I, I'll be honest with you, good. that was one of the first ones. Uh, it was real slow at the beginning, super, but slow. it was good. It was good. Yeah. That was the first one I remember watching, like from beginning to end. Uh, I'm really disappointed in the commercials. I mean, yeah. I seem to remember Super Bowl commercials being. Like really, things you talked about the next day at the yeah. water coolers and yes, uh, you know at the wa- they water. They were. I mean, it was like these yeah. were they were funny, they were creative and yeah. silly. There might be now like one or two maybe that kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Christopher Walken, that was kind of cute. The ska, it 
it's, it's fast <laughs> and really stylish. <laughs> You're gonna love it. You're gonna so this car. Here's your here's your table. This car. You're gonna love this car. But um, the, I think the the one I liked it was not even the commercial so much as just the Matt Damon part of the Duncan, the Dunkings. Yeah, so good. And where he has his part, and he goes, "It's really hard to be your friend sometimes." <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, he's like, "How you like them donuts?" <laughs> And he's just disgusted yeah, with himself like, that so he has good. to participate. Yeah, that, was <laughs> that, so good. that was really good. Yeah, that was good. And J Lo going, we talked about this. We talked about this. <laughs> you know, we... <laughs> turning the page for those people, Lord, to, to make it a little bit more holy. Those of you who tune in this podcast for some spiritual edification, <laughs> yeah. you uh, can just fast forward for the so last this week. Minutes. This week uh, begins Lent. By the time this uh, episode drops, we will be. A couple of days into the season of Lent. I think it's helpful for people who know Lent really well, or if you're just a, a little associated, maybe you don't know as much, but why ashes on your forehead? Hmm. Are you asking me that? This well, is giving, a you, giving you an opportunity to look smart. <laughs> okay, well, it's, it's interesting. So the ashes come from the fawns that were used the previous year and the um, Palm Sunday, right? That's traditionally the churches. Or you can order them in a or you can order clergy them supply com. store. <laughs> you can go down to George Lewis. I'm, no, that's not that's not true. Um, I mean, I'm, I mean, it's to remember that we are temporal, that we are passing through, that we are not God. I think it's to remember one of the things of a kind of rites of initiation for people um, that we're going to die, and that what would you stop doing? If you knew that you were terminal, <laughs> if you knew that this was um, not forever, would you continue living like you live? And I think it gives the church a chance to stop collectively and say and remind each other, like looking in the eye of someone and saying, you're going to die. Um, is this how you want to live? And I think it's it's a call to both communal uh, introspection and self uh, introspection and being able to take inventory of how one is living and is it uh, engendering the kind of freedom that we all say we're about there's a neurobiologist i really like like there's a guy named kirk thompson who i love as a neurobiologist and a guy named um huberman who's kind of more popular for stanford professor and they're doing a lot of mapping in the brain and so that one of the things that they're looking at is a part of the amygdala that they don't know what to call it, but they know that um, when you don't do something that is positive for your general overall mental, physical, spiritual, um, behavioral well-being, that part in your brain grows. So if you say, you know what, I, I think it's best if I start to work out. Um, I don't want to do that. You get up and you go work out. That part of your brain grows. Once you start liking that, that part of your brain stays the same. It doesn't grow anymore. And so you, you find other things that like create kind of health benefits and that it grows. They found that athletes have um, that portion of the brain is larger than folks that are morbidly obese. They find that folks that have a regiment of discipline of doing certain you know, activities, it's larger. And um, neurobiologists are beginning to call that part of the brain the will to live. And that, um, that putting yourself in places of uncomfortability 
um, and having to live in that space for a while to learn about yourself and to really um, stop the slide of like just being comfortable all the time has this like deep, deep benefit, they say. And they're, they're, they're calling that part of the, the brain the will to live, which I think is super interesting. That's really cool. But I think that like uh, when we come to Lent and we're saying that it's not just about giving up, but it is about like, I mean, there's all these kind of things about in the desert, about kind of moving into the desert, but like introspection and saying these different, you know, like acknowledgements about the temp- temporariness of our life. I think there's some interesting things that, that are about that. Yeah, it, it's a season, Lent. It's not what you get out of your dryer, you know. It's based on some old word that means spring, which has nothing to do with Lent. When I think of, this is not Lent. This is Lent. 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 Not Lent. Not L-I. Yeah, not, it's L-E. But um, yeah, you begin this journey of preparation towards Easter, 40 days, not counting Sundays. Right. 40 days in the... Yeah, wilderness, Jesus' a, temptation. Sundays are resurrection days, right? That's right, feast days. You don't fast on feast days. So whatever it is that you give up, you, you can double down, double on, down Sunday. on Sundays. You're going to walk it off on Monday. <laughs> but yeah, the whole journey of of moving in that direction towards resurrection mm. is, like you said, you know, coming, trying to come face to face with your mortality. Because when we mark the ashes on the head, we say... Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Repent and believe in the gospel. And that's the, the whole message of Jesus at the beginning of the gospels, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm. And so we enter the season of preparation. It's just, so it's a time to prepare, yeah. to kind of put ourselves in the best position to experience Easter and resurrection um, in a way that now can actually transform us and affect us and impact us in ways that it might not if we did not prepare adequately. Mm-hmm. And so it involves t- historically fasting or self-denial, uh, penance or repentance, prayer, additional prayer in your life. You add prayer and mm-hmm. almsgiving, which is simply, yes, it could be giving of money to something, but it's really you doing something, pouring out into the world. So it's not that just self-denial, taking things away from your life, but you're adding to you. Like you may go work at the food pantry once a week that you normally don't do that. So it's it's something that um, disrupts the rhythm. And of course, the fasting is, has a lot of different purposes to it. One is to um, share in solidarity with Jesus, to connect, to suffer in knowing and recognizing that Jesus suffered. So we're connecting with the suffering of Jesus. But also it leads to introspection. Like if I have something that I do every day or I eat or I drink or I watch and I don't do it anymore, now I'm confronted with, huh. What I crave so much for that, which is not helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so you learn also like what are things that are passions in my life? things that I bow the knee to, things that really might have more control over me than I have control over them. Mm. So, you know, you're not really supposed to fast like a diet Experiment. just so it, you can lose. I need to lose 10 pounds, so I'm going <laughs> to fast from bread. I mean, that's a good thing, but it's not supposed to be like more for your 
ego benefit. It's supposed right. to be, again, removing something that causes it to lead you into a sense of self-denial. So you're focusing on the work that you need to do in your heart, in your, in your mind, in your spiritual life, right? And that then all is supposed to lead to penance or repentance, which is not as much a feeling of shame, but an awareness that sends at work in our life, you know? And what's interesting to me, you might be able to speak to this better than I can, is um, when we talk about repentance, you know, uh, in like, for example, in, in recovery in 12 steps, they tell you, and you got to stop. You got to repent. You got to stop this destructive behavior in your life. And people are like, yeah, that's going to save my life. Whereas in the church, when we tell people you have to repent, you have to stop. You're like, you're really laying a lot of guilt on me, dude. I mean, this is a little heavy. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Nobody in AA or the A's will tell you that you have to do anything. You have to, you have to come to believe that you can't, right? I think that's the difference. I we, think that... Yeah. The understanding of almost dying to self. Yeah. You have to realize that passion. This, this path that I, I'm on is ultimately not going to lead me to more freedom. And you can stay on that and die on that path. Nobody's going to, you know, we'll show up your funeral and, you know, say good things about you. But, but it's not that it's, I think that a person has to come to their own, like, um, it's almost like the prodigal son. He came to the end of himself hmm. where I think sometimes the church is at times really just, you know, and done wrong is trying to point out how people are at the end of themselves in ways that are not helpful sometimes because most times religion doesn't see itself ever as being at the end of itself right it's not like a it's not like somebody that's a you know it's more it's more like the purposes that the church sometimes it's like for their own purposes they're trying to yeah. get you yeah to um What's the word I'm looking for? They're trying to steer you into a behavior or a way of living that's beneficial to them. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's a little self-serving. A little. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> one, of <the> things, <laughs> one of the things that I really enjoyed, I remember a few years ago, we did a sermon series on um, kind of rooted based off of Richard Rohr's book. Um, it was a, about transformation and the Sermon on the Mount. Oh yeah, and we—I think we called it, you know, new self, new world, or new world, okay. new self, or something like that. Okay. But what he says is um, that ultimately, when we are on this path, and I, I think about this, I think it's helpful. Is uh, it's all about control, and so uh, the good litmus test of your face is if faith is like how willing am I to give away control of things. So fasting is about, is about control. Oh yeah. Giving up That's things. Really, Self-denial is about control. Really Repentance is about control. Yes. It, and what he says is that faith is not so much about, um, uh, gaining things or collecting things as much as it is, is releasing things. Yeah. Giving up on, on things. Yes. It's about letting go is what he says. And the yeah. ultimate meaning of the word forgive is to hand it over before it's taken from us. Yeah that I'm for giving something yeah. mm. in the front mm. before I'm for giving, I'm giving something up before it's taken away from me. And what I love the image, he says, there's basically three, um, three understandings of when you think about where Jesus is, is taking us, leading us to clarify in that. He says, he calls it at first people are on the old self. That's there. It's the old self on the old path. 
He says, when you're the old self on the old path, then basically there's no conversion there. There's no repentance. There's no enlightenment. There's just, you're just going to keep going. And I always think of folks who are like, why didn't life get any better for me? You know, why is it always going against me? Why are things mm. always going wrong or whatever? Yeah. But yet they're never making an attempt to be a new self or chart a new path. Right. Right. And we also talk about when you talk about neural pathways, sometimes in our lives, our practices and our habits create ruts yeah. in our pathways yeah. that are hard to get off those trails Hundred percent. without new behavior. So fasting also, just like you say, gross part of the brain, we do something new. It's the same thing is true when we start mapping different pathways in our practices, then all of a sudden we see ourselves differently. We see things differently. That's right. And he said, the second one is the old self, but on a new path. And he said, this is where most religion begins and ends. Yeah. You have a new behavior, um, new language, new practices. They're sincere, but the underlying myth, the worldview, the motivation, the goals never really changed. (laughs) So your anger is the same. Your fear is the same. Your ego is the same. It's just now merely transferred to defend your idea of God or religion. So that's the old self on a new path. And I think this is a lot of modern yeah. church folk. If, if if it's true that that is all based, like the first and second one is about control, right? It seems like then you're using the myth or you're using... Um, the guise of religion as just another way of trying to control. And so you, you transfer that over to this God that's going to control quote unquote everything, Mm -hmm. but it really is a move so that you can, you can really at the end of the day, be at the end of your life, having controlled everything through the name of God. And so that's, I think there is, there is that deep sense of experiencing having to surrender, let go, and I think that's why sometimes I know that love does that, but I think that at least in my life, that's that I've had to confront the deep pain to let go of things. Cause there's part of me that would want to, li- that wants to live in a, like kind of in the blind part of other people's lives and continue on thinking or behavior that, you know, that is not correct. It, is, it doesn't engender freedom. Yeah. Right. And I think that's why, often it's pain that leads us out of the darkness or isolation into saying, okay, God dang it. I, I do want to be free. I see this though in a lot of, um, recent, in recent years in what we think of as church life, religious life, especially in the United States of America. And one of the reasons why I think a lot of people are turned off about institutional religion yeah. is because yeah, there's a new path. I'm in the church now. But the same old me, there's nothing that reflects a transformed self. So the same way I argue with people about culture wars, the same way I argue with people about politics, the same way I argue about people about schools and books and whatever it is out in the world that's out there that you are so mad and angry about, well, you just bring that same self into the church, and now all of a sudden you're arguing about... Yeah. people who are not welcome at the table or people who are not living as holy as you think they should be or people who are not, you're not reading the book the right way or you're not yeah. following the rules the right way. So it's the same person, the old self, just now in a new tank, a new fish tank of the church. And it's like such a dysfunctional disconnect. One of the reasons why when I think about, we, we talked here about chapel, about being about the words and the teachings and the, and the actions and the movements and the modeling of Jesus 
you know, how did Jesus behave? Where did Jesus go? How did Jesus speak? You just don't see that reflected in a lot of Christian folk, right? Because the self hasn't been transformed. There's been no repentance, if you will, a new way of operating and changing your life, giving that up. But it's just been transferred into a new place. So since I'm now in the church, I can use the language, I can appropriate language in scriptures and co-op things, but it's the same passions, it's the same anger, it's the same fear, it's the same hatreds. It's me. Yeah, my life, my security, my agenda. And I think the where, where we all, no matter who you are and how faithful you are or how not faithful you are, you know, I, I think it's funny that Rohr says, you know, atheism's only been around like the last five minutes. It's like it's, it, and it's, it's yeah. just not yeah. really a thing. Mm-hmm. Although any, any atheist who listen to this are going to say, well, it is a thing. It's like, okay, they don't need to fight about it. Um, but what he says is the total transformation of consciousness and worldview and motivation and rewards and goals is when, yes, you're on a new path, but you're the new self on a new path. Yes, yeah. And that's the goal of the Christian life, is to find that sense where a true conversion happens. People talk about being born again, born anew, born from above, being converted, and yet they don't act any different than the old self. Because, Because we've made conversion into a mental ascent to some belief statements, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, we think that... I walk down the aisle, I knelt, they put water on my head or they dunk me in the thing, yeah. and now I'm saved, so therefore... But but what's changed? Yeah. I wonder if that's where, I mean, in terms of like what... I mean, I'd hate to go all friggin' nerdy, but I mean, like in terms of our Wesleyan theology, that idea of of grace that continues, like sanctification and grace, that like it's a lifetime process for me to let go of things that impede my freedom. It just is. And, you know, me going down to the altar, if that did it a hundred times, it would have done it. But it really is now being in a more, like a deeper relationship with a brother like you that sees the way that I live and that I can go to and say, John, I struggle with this. And you not shaming me, but, you know, hashtagging at me too and saying, let's walk this out together. Like what's underneath that? What dynamics are present? Whatever that is, as we begin to work that stuff out, we are able to surrender together those things that, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's why community is absolutely essential to this uh, this process. Yeah. But I think ultimately when you synthesize it down, that's what, that's what we're reenacting every year when we start mm-hmm. Ash Wednesday and Lent and we're going through this season. I would hope that we could help people to to see and experience it that way, that there's yeah. a very intentional aspect to this. Yeah. And if we could, then maybe, you know, um, yeah. maybe we could see more and more new self coming out every mm. year yes. uh, on new path. But um, yeah. that's the hope and the goal Amen. as we move through this. And it's ultimately we are, we are walking with Jesus through these 40 days and then that last week, we're walking with him on the final week, hmm. and we're participating in the suffering uh, through all this as yeah. well. Yeah. Jeff, what you got? Something on atheists? People yeah, think God created the universe. Some people think nothing created the universe, which is the funniest guess. <laughs> and the nothing people make fun of the God people. They say God doesn't exist. I'm like, okay, maybe. But you know what definitely doesn't exist? Nothing. Nothing. That's the defining characteristic of nothing. 
is that it doesn't exist. So what are we talking about? Either you think it's God, something you can't see, touch, taste, photograph, and science can't prove, or you think it's nothing, something you can't see, touch, taste, photograph, and science can't prove. But I think we can all agree, if nothing, if your nothing sometimes spontaneously erupts into everything, that's a pretty magical nothing, you guys. <laughs> and ask, ask the nothing people, what happens when you die? They'll tell you, nothing. You go into nothing. I'm like, you mean you merge back with your creator? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, this has been fun. We have... Um... We, we, we covered some territory, John Stevens. Well, we, yeah, we went all the way from uh, the Super Swift Bowl and Taylor to, uh, Swift to, uh, to, nothingness. <laughs> to, no, to the nothingness <laughs> of, uh, wow. So, yeah, I'm excited. So uh, this week, we'll, uh, next, next week, if you're listening to this next week, Bishop Moyombo will be here and we'll be talking about um, General Conference coming up, talking about United Methodists in Africa. Give us a little preview of what we might or might not expect. I think he brought mm -hmm. his crystal ball to the uh, to the podcast. None of us have one of those. I think we've had. I think we've talked about plenty. I agree. And some people would say we talked way too much. Way too much about nothing. About nothing. <laughs> but that's then maybe we're talking about God. Oh. Thank you, Pete Holmes. Well, I'm John Stevens. I'm Matt Russell, and this is Pod Have Mercy. Mm -hmm.